Hi, everybody. This is Joe DeRozier from the Chicago Dental Society. We're going to be speaking today with Susan Gunn, who is a certified fraud specialist. Welcome, Susan. How are you? I'm good. Susan has been a speaker at the Midwinter meeting in the past and other dental meetings, specifically about embezzlement and fraud in practice. Yes, it's never a dull moment in my world. <laughs> so we were talking before today a little bit about how dentists are, are kind of learning how important it is to keep an eye on their finances. Yeah, so one of the things that I wanted to begin saying is that when the pandemic hit in 2020, um, practice owners had a natural opportunity carved out for them to be able, be able to review their finances in detail that they never had that opportunity before. When their practices were shut down, they started looking into things going, hey, you know, this is kind of odd. I was really busy with the phone calls of not understanding their finances, hmm. not having a good grip of what the profit and loss statement was reflecting found a lot of errors in the past from a bookkeeping standpoint that had been done, found lots of charts of accounts that were under not understandable at all. And then when they did understand them, they didn't like what they were seeing hmm. because it didn't match what the practice software said. So I covered quite a lot of embezzlement during that time which I had a feeling was going to happen, hmm. and it did. And boy, was cranking out like crazy phone call, phone calls all the time for lots of things that the doctors didn't understand, mm -hmm. uh, lots of embezzlement cases. And then practices started going back to work, and things were being reviewed a lot less. And they quit paying attention. <laughs> and when it slowed down, I said, okay, that doesn't mean the embezzlement slowed down, by the way. Yeah. The embezzlement slowed down or stopped to a, to a certain degree when the practice was closed. But then it's going to start back up if they didn't catch it. Mm -hmm. And so they may, an embezzler, from a behavior standpoint may slow down a little bit to see if the doctor's paying attention. But once that goes back to the routine chaos of the practice that they had before, which I estimated to be fall of 2021, mm -hmm. that they weren't paying attention. And, you know, they go back to the same, not having the systems and procedures established in the practice that they need, the protocols that they need for financial organization on a day-to-day -day basis. Oh my gosh, I just read a Facebook posting a couple of days ago in one of the hundreds of groups that I belong to. And they were asking how often the dental practice uh, created deposits to go to the bank. Mm -hmm. Okay, so lots of the answers were once a week. Lots of the answers were once every two weeks. Well, I couldn't believe that. Can you imagine if you were a cashier at Target <laughs> and you got your, your till 
and you only counted it once a week and put what was in there? Oh my gosh, how many opportunities for theft to happen in those five days or 10 days, or if they're only open four days, those eight days. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh, I have been in business for 25 years and I've told them from the very beginning, it didn't matter if they didn't go to the bank every day, but they have to create a deposit every day and then secure that deposit. Mm-hmm. So they can go to the bank once a week, but to create a deposit once a week, that's just asking for it. Wow. That's not that's not good. So, so I anticipate, I'll tell you, just to kind of close the loop on what I started with. I really think as the economy is getting a little bit worse, cost of living is higher, rents have increased, is, have increased, have increased, uh, gas has increased. Ours is down a little bit now, but you know that the stock market's a little bit unsure. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are in a little bit different place. So it's, it's uh, a little bit of a unsettled time. Yeah. And that is a great opportunity for an embezzler to get at it. And so I anticipate that we're going to see another growing trend of embezzlement happening starting pretty quickly. I, you know, I, I hate that. But I, one of the reasons that I belong to so many of the Facebook groups isn't to post what I think. It's to read what's being posted Uh to keep a pulse on the community. And the pulse is different right now. Showing an uptick. Yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it because of the, uh, the, the chaos that's involved, I mean, it's just been that way for a while now. It seems like people are are just in flux, you know, society in general is just very much in flux. Does that create um, an opportunity for people who would have a pro- proclivity um, to be an embezzler or does the uncertainty and the fear of, um, you know, is that drive people to do things that they maybe never would have before? Or is it, is it just uh, always there? People who are inclined to do that would do it no matter what. Well, there's two kinds of embezzlers of what we've seen up to this point. Okay. Opportunistic and brazen. And the opportunistic ones are the ones that will steal once or twice and really still have a conscience about what they did. They feel badly about it. They don't want to do it again because it's bugged them that they did it the first time. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, those types of embezzlements are like minute, (laughs) you know, that's, those aren't the ones I get the calls on. The ones I get the calls on are the brazen ones and they may have started off once or twice as an opportunistic embezzler, Mm -hmm. but now they're brazen. Now they do it and talk to the doctor and go to the doctor's kids' birthday parties or weddings and baby showers and show up day to day knowing that they're going to steal 
Those are the brazen ones. Of all of my cases up to today, they've all been 100% greed. Mm. 100% greed. I grew up in a time that my dad was a home builder and he owned his own business and he didn't always have a contract to do work or it was winter, you know, and so you can't do a whole lot in the winter and or it was whatever reason something else was going on. So money was thin at different times. And I actually grew up believing that my dad's favorite meal was navy beans and cornbread and buttermilk. Not knowing until I was in my 20s that those were the times we didn't have much cash flow. And so when you think about the times that we're in right now and how thin it is, we could cut back on spending, but we don't want to do without. Mm -hmm. And so we'll put it on a credit card. Do you know that embezzlers typically have high credit card debt? Mm. Isn't that interesting? They're stealing money, but they're spending it quicker than they can steal. Mm. So... I just agreed. My $1.1 million case had a Jaguar two months before she got caught. There's a case in Olympia, Washington, $1.9 million. She had a BMW Series 7, I think it was, uh, with a license plate that said MVS. And so the, the big cases, oh yeah, it's greed. They want the money. They want to get what they want with it. They want more. Not being content with what you've been given or what you earn is a real problem. Yeah, is there is there a mentality too that, well, I should be being paid more. And so they rationalize, <laughs> you know, there's inflation and I'm not getting paid with the doc. Look how much the doctor's making. and I- Look at the car the doctor drives to the practice. Yeah. They drive a really nice car. I actually had one embezzler say, my husband did a lot of work for the doctor when the doctor remodeled his house. So I looked at the doctor and said, what did he do? And he goes, oh, he came out one afternoon for 15 minutes and gave me his opinion. 15 minutes. And that, that in her head, she she was owed. Most of them feel like they're owed because most of them, I, you know, they've said they're sorry, but I think they're sorry they got caught. Mm-hmm. Is there an average of how much we're talking as far as monetary loss? Again, I get the phone calls that are the bigger cases. My average case is about 110000 And that's over what kind of time span? You know, over the last few years, it's been a shorter time span. I, ha- I Occasionally, I'll get the ones that are 10 years. The one I have right now is nine years. Nine years. So, um, and the last, just a couple of weeks ago, I finished another one. It was only two and a half years. Uh, the one right before that. I think they're shorter now because 
you know, I speak about it all the time. We're doing podcasts. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a common topic. And so the verbiage is getting out there to pay attention. Right. It's just up to the doctor to do that. What are, what are some of the signals or, or uh, tip-offs? You know, one of the things that I think is always funny is when the doctor says, you know, patients, my patients never pay with cash. And I go, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> because they're, you know, what's your age group? And it depends on what kind of practice it is. Mm -hmm. But that's, that is a red flag to me. My deposits just never seem to match. That's another red flag. Um, of course, you have to actually be paying attention to the deposits to know that they don't match. Right. And so I've developed, I wrote the book, Money In, Money Out. And in fact, it's available on Amazon. That's a shameless plug, right? No, it's okay. Um, Money In, Money Out was written because I did not want to write a book about embezzlement. And put it on Amazon. That just seemed kind of um, not wise. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a book that you need for systems and procedures to put into the practice to help the oversight to help prevent embezzlement. Now, and I'm going to say that very carefully because there's no silver bullet that you can implement in your practice that will 100% keep you from being embezzled. In fact, I worked with the ADA several years ago and developed a survey mm -hmm. that was sent out to uh, membership. Very few returned the survey of the ones that returned the survey. And it was really our best chance, by the way. I approached the ADA and said, hey, you guys are the only ones that can really send out a survey and get accurate data back to find out nationally what's happening as far as embezzlement. And we developed it, sent it out, was returned, um, and so few people responded. Huh. You know, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know why I could guess some reasons, but one of the things that I learned about it was though, of the ones that responded, there was a high percentage of those that had been bezeled four times or more. Oh. Four times or more. And so when you, when you wonder, obviously there's no systems and procedures and there's no protocols that have been really established, concrete. Right. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that the, the, practice owner is going to have their feet nailed to the practice floor. You know, I mean, they can still do clinical, but they have to care about the practice. You think if this is a matter of uh, people don't want to think ill of uh, the, their employees? I mean, dental practice is very much, you hear the word family a lot. Well, an intimate setting, you know, that's the heartache of being embezzled. In fact, it's, I've often said this, that it's a betrayal that is every bit as emotionally heartbreaking as an affair, your spouse having an affair and you finding out about it because you depend on that person day in and day out. The, that's the heartache. I don't 
I don't think that's why they don't want to pay attention. I think, quite frankly, um, they want to do clinical and go home, and I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. But they own a practice, and they're a business owner. Mm -hmm. And their CPA and their front office manager, and quite frankly, me, can't care more about their practice than they do. And sometimes that's what it feels like. Hmm. Just, just, if they could just implement a few things to oversee, they don't have to do them all. You know, it would take very little time. Mm -hmm. And I can teach them how to do that. But in the ones that I have a service called Ask the Expert, and I, I, I actually created that service because after I speak, they're all scared that somebody's embezzling from them. And they'll call me and go, I think somebody's embezzling from me. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, they have everything you talked about. And it's like, okay, calm down. But have you found anything? And they're like, no, no, I haven't found anything yet. <laughs> and I go, okay, well, let's spend two hours together. I'll remote into your practice and let's look at things, and I teach them how to see things through my eyes for their practice software. That's that's the the beauty of me knowing all the practice software, is that I can show them, this is the report you want to pull up, and this is how often you want to pull it up. And then I, I talk very specifically about the reports. This is what you compare it to. And so uh, if they just learned a few of those things, um, they would catch them after they've been embezzling for maybe three months, not 10 years, right? So above and beyond the, uh, you know, the spreadsheet type stuff, are there any other things that they should be looking to? You mentioned, you know, someone driving a fancy car. Fancy uh, vacations that don't make sense how they could afford. Yeah. This is the time oh, of year that for that. For... How did they take their six kids to Disney World and afford that? Oh, my gosh when they know how much the husband makes. Mm -hmm. My $1.1 million case said she won the lottery three times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know about you. I'd like to win that big lottery that's up right now. <laughs> I'll let you know. I won't be doing any more podcast after that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, actually, I probably would. But I don't know anybody that's won it once, twice, or three times. So when the doctor told me that, that that explained how, how she had money, I went, did you actually go on the state site to see if she had won the lottery? <laughs> because that's, that's not right. Um, they'll explain it, but that's one of the things. Vacations, jewelry, renovations at the house, mm -hmm. the overindulgence of money. Again, greed-based, right? Right. Spending money. So when, is there, are there things that people can do beforehand during the hiring process? Seen, yeah, something I've seen lately in the last few years <laughs> is repeat offenders hmm. going from state to state. That's actually been happening from five or six years. They got a good thing going on in one state and they got caught in that state and so they move on to another state. And so doing a thorough background check and doctor to doctor reference calls 
That's really important. Doctor to doctor reference calls. But there's a whole lot they can put into place. It's one of the reasons I speak at the midwinter meeting. Mm -hmm. Every time trying to, to help them understand here are the concrete things that you can put into place. So um, there are lots of things, but if they were just going to do one, it'd be pay attention, review the deposits. Okay. And uh, you mentioned before about ethics too, about once, you know, trying to uh, instill that sense of ethics in, uh, in the workplace. How does yeah, it's, Dennis... well, it's, uh, it's probably no surprise that some dental practices have leaders in the practice that are toxic themselves. It happens for whatever reason. But in the practices where there are amazing, great dentists, which are a majority of the practices, um, you, ha- you want to establish the same platform for everybody to work on, the, a set of expectations. Corporations have what's, what they call code of ethics. Mm-hmm. And I speak on ethics too, but it's, it's helping everybody to understand that we're all in this together and that we're trying to accomplish the same goal. We're gonna have team meetings through the week. You know, we're going to care about each other we're not going to be petty. In fact, one of the code of ethics examples that I show when I speak is there are no there are no divas on this team. <laughs> you know, meaning not one person is more important than the other. You know, we're all in this together. Everybody has a job. And so it's it's establishing that code of ethic or code of conduct for the business. And I have sent, uh, I, when I speak, I, I talk about all the different corporations and the code of ethics that they have. And I just encourage them to go do research, find ones that they like. The Container Store, Trader Joe's, Aldi, Google has a great code of conduct. Zappos has an amazing code of conduct. Container Store is probably my favorite. There's this very creative, Again, these corporations spent billions of dollars developing their code of conduct. So it certainly would behoove a small practice to do some research and find out what they liked about the code of conduct. Because it's well, very encouraging. Okay, embezzle that? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. No, and you don't want to copy it because it is copyrighted. But to get the ideas, you know, you the code of conduct is a source of encouraging. It's It's that encouragement to do the right thing. And so you think that's it's the incur- Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if the doctor leads with integrity, he's setting the trend that he wants to see in the practice. I tell everybody to commit to being the very best version of themselves always. And they can do great things as a result of that. Mm-hmm. So, but leading with integrity, if you and I decide not to lead with integrity, 
that's not a shining example for anyone to follow and no one will follow. So if, it, if a, a practice owner thinks or thinks that they might have a, an embezzlement case on their hands, besides calling you, what, what are the first thing that they should do? Not confront the person they think is embezzling. Uh, I can't tell you how many times that happened. Not to call their insurance company. Because, um, so, kind of backtrack a little bit. Um, the um, general liability insurance typically covers employee theft. And so when they, just the last couple of years, I've seen this, when they notify the um, insurance company that they might have had an employee theft, then the insurance company says, we'll open up a claim, tick-tock, you've got three months to, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so the clock starts ticking. Well, it might take more than three months to get information back from the insurance company about insurance checks. Mm -hmm. So tick-tock doesn't work. So don't call the insurance company. Call me first. That's truly what I recommend. Call me or someone like me mm -hmm. and get some real tangible information. I don't recommend I don't recommend CPAs doing any forensics because they don't know your practice software. I don't recommend unless they are I mean, maybe 1% of CPAs do. I, I really don't even think it's that high. You have to be able to know the software, and I do all my work covertly. They never even know I'm there. So, But the biggest thing is what, what the doctor may think is embezzlement. Oh, my gosh, I had this just the other day. Had an Ask the Expert car and she called, and she was convinced that somebody was stealing from her. Absolutely, hands down. And... Going to ethics, I could have sold her a, a fraud case. It'd have been really easy to sell her a fraud to do a fraud case, mm -hmm. which is expensive. But she didn't have any tangible evidence, and I don't do that. I don't operate that way. There are plenty others out there that do, and I don't do that. It's not ethical. So I said, let's do a call and let's see what you've got. And so we logged in and, and did the ask the expert. She didn't have anything. And so what she saw, we were explaining. And I said, that's what this is. She didn't understand the reports. And so I went through and explained the reports. And this is what this is. And look at it compared to this. Well, then she got it. She was like, oh, my gosh, this is way better. That ask the expert call is about you know, a ninth of the cost of um, the fraud exam. They're expensive because they take a lot of time. At what point do you alert the law enforcement? After I finish my work. So you don't let them do the investigation? They don't know your practice software either. And they don't have resources. I will tell you about half of my cases I'm working with the DA mm -hmm. to help them understand dental practices. Let me explain why that's so unique. And, and a, lot of, a lot of businesses wouldn't even understand this. Dental practices are what we call a dual software accounting system. They have 
their accounts receivable, all done on the practice software, mm -hmm. and they do their accounts payable either on QuickBooks or their CPA or a bookkeeper. And so they have two accounting systems, of two software that equal one complete accounting system is what I'd say. Mm -hmm. I have taught the back-to-back -back for 25 years, back-to-back -back accountability between the two. And when you talk to law enforcement, they're thinking they just have one accounting system especially some of the ones that have never dealt with dentist or dental practice embezzlements. And so when you explain there's two, they go, oh, how does that work? It's not two sets of books. That's what I'm usually really quick to say. <laughs> We're not talking about two no. sets of books. <laughs> it's one set of complete books, but two software that make it up. So uh, it's really fun to work with them. And, and I mean, I was just on the phone last week the end of last week, I guess it was Friday, with a DA is about to start one of my cases. So explaining to them the software and the reports and going through the reports and this is what this shows. And Right. But I, I walk with my clients to the end and a lot of times have helped them write their victim statement so that it includes the cost, my cost, mm -hmm. as well as what they was stolen. And part of the sentence is includes all of that the court costs the the attorney and they're that's part of their sentence to pay it back and i i can't remember did you did you say that there is a an average of how much uh, a uh, practice might lose my case is average about 110,000 110,000 okay yeah i don't know that that's the average and, and back to what I said about the ADA, yeah. because so few practices chose not to respond to that survey, I've just started telling them, the reality is, over the course of owning a practice for 30 years, someone is going to steal from you. Yeah. It is dumb not to think so. It's completely unwise not to think that somebody's going to steal from you in that 30-year period of time. That's why it's so important to have the systems and protocols in place to help prevent it, or mm -hmm. not, it, to at least not make it easy. In fact, somebody told me that, I'm trying to figure out how to convey this. I indirectly spoke to an embezzler one time and asked why they embezzled. And they said, <clears throat> because it was easy. And so having the systems and protocols into place keeps it from being 100% easy. Yeah. They have to work at it a little bit. And then they'll be caught sooner. Are embezzlers usually a single? Do they work as a a single entity or do they sometimes work with clients or other employees? How does that, what's the general? <laughs> so I've had everything from um, mostly front office managers, which they always get tagged, front desk workers in larger offices, assistants taking cash payments at the back, um, hygienist, 
stealing, um, bookkeepers, CPA, spouses. I've had a few spouse cases. I've had everything. You know, I, just about anybody can steal. Mm-hmm. Depends on their motivation. But do they work alone or do they, do they bring other people in? Or do they use clients? Yes. You know, do they use patients as... Uh, no. Uh, no? I haven't had any of those. Okay. What I have had is someone who was working the front desk in a practice who had been... Um, had gone through several people working at the front desk with them and she always found something wrong with them. And then went to the doctor and said her sister had moved back, just moved back to town and was looking for a job. And so would they be interested in hiring her because she could probably work with her. But what they failed to tell, and they didn't do a background check, the reason the sister had just moved back to town is because she had just been released from prison. So, so the two of them stole together. I've had a lot of repeat offenders. I had a case uh, where the hygienist, the two front people at the desk, the office manager's husband and adult son were in a drug ring doing uh, prescription drugs and selling them on the black market. Hmm. Getting the drugs through the practice? Yep, through the doctor, doctor. through the doctor's DEA number. Wow. That was an interesting one. Never a dull moment, like I said, around here. (laughs) (laughs) Never a dull moment. Greed's been around since the beginning of time. Started with that apple off that tree. (laughs) We want that shiny apple. (laughs) Anything else? that we haven't touched on that you think is important for people to hear? Oh, there's thousands of things. <laughs> you know, can't cover everything in a short podcast, right? No, there'd be no reason this... for people to come to midwinter meeting and, and take Well, a... there you go. <laughs> this just scratches the surface. I love the Chicago midwinter. It oh. was a little cold this last year. Yeah. Oh, wait, every year. <laughs> Well, it's in February, and it's called midwinter. I know. No kidding. No kidding. It It is the one time of year that I'm guaranteed, being from Texas, that I'm guaranteed I could wear a good warm coat. I might not get it out the whole rest of the year, except when I go to midwinter. <laughs> well, Susan Gunn, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. You bet. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes another CDS Filling You In podcast. Hey, you can hear Ms. Gunn live and in person at the upcoming Midwinter Meeting in February, where she's going to be presenting two Saturday courses. The first one is course number LS319, and it's in the morning from 8 o'clock to 9.30, with the topic of ethics in the dental practice. The second course is from 12.30 to 2 p.m., and its number is LS353. And she's going to be talking about financial management and how to avoid practice nightmares. 
Hey, if you register before the end of December, each is priced at only $50. But if you wait too long, well, the price jumps to $70. So why don't you practice some financial management right now and get that lower rate? Until next time, we're going to keep filling you in. Thank you for listening.